Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it a great day to be alive? It is Monday, May 6, 2019. And if you've clicked on this, you probably know by now it is episode 200 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And Ken Flo off the top today, I think, just wants to thank each and every one of you. Some of you who have been along the ride since episode one in April of 2015, still kicking, kid. Little engine that could. We're still here. Absolutely, man. What a ride we've had. 200 episodes. Um, you know, the, the fans have just been unbelievable. The, the feedback that we get, even when we get bad feedback. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love them, and uh, it, it's been a, a whole lot of fun doing this podcast with you, dude. 200 episodes. Dang. Crazy. Crazy. Still going strong, and hopefully we can take it to the next level over the next six months. A lot of that will have to do with the video component that we hope to have back in a big way. And and our man, TJ DeSantis, has been at the controls for the majority of these 200 yes. episodes. We did take a year away. We broke up. Uh, and then we, we asked to get back in a relationship and for some reason he took us back. So, so we appreciate all of that. So I've been car shopping for the last few weeks, Ken Flo, and I can't believe I went through the whole process without so much as calling you or texting you. Uh, but I didn't lease a car because I hate the process so much. And right. the process has changed a little bit with a lot of the internet deals and the auto nation type places that are out there. So at least in my experience, I can tell you there's not as much negotiation uh, that goes on, right? Uh, at least, I mean, I was able to negotiate a little bit, but in the past, you really feel like you can, uh, at least if you're not in a rush, you can kind of rake these guys over the coals and, uh, didn't necessarily get, get as big a win as I've gotten in past (laughs) negotiations, you know? That's awesome, man. Uh, so this was your car, not the family car. So we have a Honda Odyssey. We got the minivan that we drive 90% of the time. So this is basically a car that's just going to sit there, you know? So (laughs) I, I, I nearly got into a, to a Benz, uh, like a a GM, uh, I don't see this is AMG. Uh, okay, I, nice. I, Those yes. are nice. Oh, yes. 4.3 seconds to 60 miles per hour. You know hey, all about that. Uh, <laughs> but no, so I ended up in, in a 2018 um, Audi SQ5. So it's Those like a awesome. sport Audi, and it fucking flies, bro. Like yes. all I wanted, right? And it's not an eight-cylinder, right? but it's a, a tur- turbocharged V6. I, I only wanted one thing in this car, right? Like my daughter wanted air conditioning in the back seat. That was the one <laughs> thing she had to have. We got her that. We yep. live in Florida. I just wanted for the first time in my life after all these years in Honda Civics and Ford Escapes and Buick Encores, I wanted a car that would vault off the line. And, and this thing certainly does. So so we're happy here on a Monday. Awesome, dude. That, that's a great car. And the Florida roads are way better than the California roads, I got to say. 
Oh, and all those roads are better than the Boston roads. Yes, absolutely. Of course, I, I ended up in like, it's a certified pre so it's like winterized, right? It originated in Michigan, so it's got like a heated <laughs> steering wheel and the rear seats are heated, uh, which we will never use. You before. won't need that, yeah. Won't need that. But enough about that. A, a big show in Ottawa. What a main event between Donald Cerrone and Ally Quinto. We're going to get into all that. Longo's coming up here in five minutes. One and one for Longo on the weekend, but obviously the big one was Ayaquinta, Quinta, and that did not go their way, and, and we'll get an update on Al and how Ray's doing and all of that. Um, but how about Donald Cowboy Cerrone, right? I mean, as I tweeted over the weekend, the UFC record book almost reads like his Wikipedia page when you're talking about most wins and most finishes, one shy of the UFC's record for appearances. I know the UFC title has evaded him. To me, he looked a little bit slow and a little bit old early on, and maybe that was just the haircut for me, right? I didn't think he looked great early, early in this fight, but... I thought this was one of his best performances overall. I thought it was a tremendous fight and uh, just just amazing to see Cerrone turn this corner, so to speak, at least when it comes to to the motivation and the focus on on being great and being a champion. I thought it was one of his better signature wins of his career. This is truly what has allowed him to flourish as a fighter. It's the honesty with himself, the honesty with the fans. And he went out there and said, you know what? I wasn't feeling it backstage. I did not feel right. I didn't want to hit pads. I didn't want to grapple. I didn't want to be there for the first round. And I, I would say even probably to the latter part of the second round, we didn't really see a tr uh, the true Donald Cerrone. Yeah. And it's an important point. Why? Because sometimes you don't have it on fight night. Sometimes you're not feeling it. You're, you're just not in your body right, and, and you can't get it together. Donald Cerrone, despite all of that, was able to get it together, and he woke up to the latter part of that second round, and he was just firing on all cylinders. His striking came out. He looked more relaxed. He looked fluid. His speed came back, but absolutely, the way he started that fight against Iaquinta, this is a Donald Cerrone that continues to mature and get better as his career goes on, and this guy's had a lot of fights and a lot of crazy fights. Yeah, so it wasn't a physical thing in terms of like the haircut, right? You saw a little gray by the right. sideburns and thinking, man, is it just the haircut? But no, a, a flat warm up. And as you've said repeatedly on the show, sometimes you're just flat on fight night. I'll say as a non-fighter sitting in that seat calling 13 fights over seven hours, 25 times a year. There's nothing worse than feeling flat on fight night for me, oh. right? I'm like, dude, can we? Can you fucking complete a sentence tonight, bro? You know, so I, I can't relate as a fighter, but certainly you want to peak when you need to peak uh, in any walk of life, in any career, certainly as a fighter. But, you know, it's interesting that part of the narrative after the fight, at least for me, with people on social media became... Donald Cerrone's career and Kenny this was a fight that we thought was maybe going to materialize for you at one point in your career yes. and for one reason or another it did not the longevity obviously is something that's going to help his Hall of Fame candidacy I know there's no body of voters there's no voting body so again I guess it's Dana White's decision ultimately as to who gets into the Hall of Fame there's no first ballot Hall of Famer as I sort of intimated but a lot of people were saying Kenny that Donald Cerrone doesn't have a signature win and I think sometimes that's hard to determine while a career is going on I I think when we look back at Cerrone's career and we look at these last six months beating a guy in Alexander Hernandez who was all the rage or thought to be a future contender and beating Ally Quinta who was entrenched in the top five, I don't know if these are signature wins per se, but I think history is going to look back at these wins fondly. And when you parlay them with wins over guys like Eddie Alvarez and Benson Henderson and Matt Brown, which was an epic win, a lot of big welterweight wins, Rick Story, Mike Perry, uh, you know, I think it's a strong body of work, even if it doesn't have what a lot of people would describe as a as a true signature win. 
Well, I, I agree with you. And perhaps he doesn't have that career signature win, but his career will be defined by his activity, by his willingness to fight anyone and anyone at any time in a centipede class up 170 pounds. Um, Cowboy is a guy who is always down to fight and he's always down to entertain the fans. His fighting style, um, his consistency, uh, and I think, yeah, like you said, he'll be judged on the volume of his work. And I love the way that he adapted. Sometimes Donald Cerrone just isn't able to really get out of a funk and adapt during a fight, and he definitely did that. An offensive Donald Cerrone, a guy that you allow to walk forward and just unleash his offense, Donald Cerrone will destroy you. It does not matter. So for Iaquinta, he just wasn't able to back Donald Cerrone up enough in that fight. He wasn't able to confuse Cerrone enough. And once Cerrone knew that he can come forward and utilize those long-range weapons, Iaquinta was essentially out of that fight. And and Cerrone did a great job of utilizing his length, the kicks, uh, go, going up top, going to the body repeatedly, and after a while, I couldn't get it off and couldn't get enough shots off on Cerrone to scare him from not utilizing those long-range weapons. He j- he just wasn't able to get in on the inside consistently enough to scare away Donald Cerrone. Yeah, Al Quinta might be the pound-for-pound pound toughest fighter on this roster top to bottom, but certainly the leg kicks, we talk about it a lot. You can brutal. Make- a fighter, register a fighter, a one-legged fighter, and Cerrone was committed to it and and certainly was a big part of the narrative and this huge win for Cerrone. A no-doubter for fight of the night. Of course, one guy has to be on the wrong end of it. That was Raging Ally Quinta, his chief corner Ray Longo is our dear friend, a weekly staple of the show. Let's get to Raymond Peter Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And the great Ray Longo now joins us. You know, we're living and dying with every strike like you, man, watching from home. Uh, welcome home. Sorry the main event didn't go your way. I thought Marab looked beautiful, but let's start with uh, with the main event. You know, I thought Al started very well, certainly hurt Donald at times. Your overall assessment of, of those epic 25 minutes turned in by those two this weekend. Yeah, no, I think uh, Kenny. I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with what Kenny said. Uh, and that look, the surprise for me in the fight is that Cerrone's chin held up way better than I thought. Mm-hmm. And any time Al got off, and he would try to go again, Cerrone was you know good enough to keep him just at bay. And uh, he, he look, he fought a great fight. Uh, Al certainly had his chances in the fight to do uh, to get what he wanted, and uh, it was just. Uh, you know, again, look, as a coach, even to go from Marab's fight to that fight, your emotions are all over the place. You want to be happy for one guy, and, you know, the other guy didn't do as good. But uh, it's it's all good, man. Just look at those guys on Instagram. I love these guys. That's I know. I love them. That's why I love them, man. It's not, not just about winning and losing all the time, man. It's about growing and evolving as a person. And, and these are two guys that I, I really, you, you cannot dislike. They're just great guys, and, you know, Wow's a fucking class act, and, uh, man, is he fucking tough. Holy shit. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Bloody Elbow always does that thing somebody sent me last night, like, winners and losers they had out in the winners category, and I couldn't agree more, man. He just shows what he's made of. He's always puts on an entertaining fight for the fans. He's a home run for the UFC. And I just wish him the best. I want to, you know, get a, a speedy recovery. He got pretty banged up. 
But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, uh, Cerrone was able to, you know, dictate the pace of that fight like a veteran. You know, he slowed that pace down enough to where it favored him. And, you know, I thought I was going to, you know, be able to push through it more and, you know, like get him going backwards more, but it didn't happen. And uh, sometimes it's just not your night. But, man, what an effort he put in. And I think everybody's uh, better for it today. Well, Ray, it obviously wasn't because of his toughness. I mean, Ally Acquinta, again, showing why he's one of the toughest guys in the UFC. And what's amazing is, you know, if he does get hurt, he shows nothing on his face. It's like he doesn't yeah. even grind yeah. his teeth or wince or anything. He gets up like, ah, you know, he just slipped. It's, it's not even a big deal to this guy. Nothing phases him. It's amazing yeah. every time this guy competes. Um, yeah, the, Ray, the, with, focus, with, the focus sorry, go the ahead. concentration this guy has is unbelievable. Again, if you know how banged up he was after the fight. I, I can't Man. believe it now what he was doing because I never even knew he was in, in, that bad at all during the fight. So he right. got a, he did a great job with that. Yep. So, Ray, um, you know. Ray, say, go ahead, Kenny. Did, did, sorry, no, go ahead. Uh, sorry, yeah. Ray, I, I was going to ask you, did did Al say anything after the fight of what, what the issue was, uh, you know, as far as him not being able to get on the inside uh, against Cerrone? I think, look, he got interrupted a lot, you know, with the kicks in the knee, yeah. so Donald did a great job with that. And uh, I think he was, look, he was just a little flat, you know, the, for what we're used to seeing. He never got in that fuck you groove where he's just moving forward and just, you know, in your face. Because I think Donald did enough to interrupt him after he took some shots that, um, you know, stopped him from doing so. But I think, uh, you know, like, again, I think it was the, you know, I think he took a knee. Or something maybe in the first round that maybe disturbed his vision a little bit, but uh, yeah. but no, that was a, just he felt a little flat, um, you know. And uh, you know he's going to take it in stride. I mean, he had great spirits at the end. We all came, flew home together, and like again, the concern now is just want to get him healed up as quick as possible and uh, move on. And if you don't know what Ray Longo was referencing on, on social media, it was Marab and Al. Seemingly having a grand old time. I don't know if the marijuana edibles were flowing, but there are wheelchairs in the airport dicking around having the time of their lives. So you know how tough Al is, right? But, you know, sometimes people don't realize just how tough some of these guys are. Like Dominic Cruz has always said to me privately, like, I can take a fucking beating. You have no idea how much damage I can take. And anyone can get knocked out. But one thing, and perhaps my biggest takeaway when it comes to Iaquinta, and sometimes maybe this is just a result of me trying to find a different way to say how tough Al is, but like the last thing he's looking for, Ray, is a way out of there, right? M maybe there's a moral victory in going the distance even when you're on the wrong end of the final few rounds, but there was just no way he was getting finished this night, no matter how hurt he was, and it's just a toughness mentally, physically, that I, that I can't at all relate to. Yeah, no, and I, again, that's well put, and I appreciate it. And, and the other thing is, even as a coach, he's always in that fight, no matter how hurt he is. And I, you know, like, and I think yep. that was, you know, that was the try. I mean, I was trying to motivate him, motivate him to just go and then go again. And even if you're going to get hit, sometimes you know you just got to you know keep pushing forward to what you want. You know, so you get what you want. But uh, you know, he's not going to quit, dude. This kid is. I always knew he was tough. This, he took it to another level Saturday night. See, he really did against against a guy like like Kenny said. If you if you stand and like if you're in no man's land with this guy and you're at the wrong range, that guy is he's brutal. He's a big yeah. guy's huge. 
he's fucking huge, though, which is, I didn't think that size would be that much of a factor, but he's a big fucking 55er, man. Well, and I also think you got Cerrone's best, right? Even though he's 35 right now and some would suggest he's not in his prime. Like, when Kenny Florian fought BJ Penn, that was the, the best shape of BJ Penn's entire professional career, right? In part oh, because he that, knew yeah. in part because he knew Kenny was a legitimate challenger, like Cerrone knew Iaquinta was gonna bring him everything he could handle and he had to take the challenge seriously. But you're getting Donald Cerrone two point You're getting motivated father Cerrone making one yeah. final run at the lightweight belt. And just by nature of the fact that he's cutting down to 156 pounds. He has to work his ass off in training camp. So I think the Joe Schilling relationship is working really well. But, you know, you got to take some solace in the fact that, you know, maybe a guy like Leon Edwards, with all due respect, didn't get Cerrone's best. You almost certainly did, especially over those final 15 minutes. Right, right. No, without a doubt. And I think uh, Joe Schilling's a huge addition to him. I ended up having a couple of drinks with him. What a, another good guy. I love watching the guy fight and uh, glory and... Uh, yeah, I think he, he he made a huge addition. He's a he's a refreshing uh, part of that new uh, entourage at Cerrone's camp. And man, I got to tell you, man, the, the power of the mind is crazy. If that son connection is uh, is working, man, I, you know, like I think Felder even said somewhere where he really felt like that was going to be the difference. And who's to argue, man? I didn't think it would be, but I think he's got something going on. He looked, he held up. Way better under the pressure than I thought he was gonna. So my hats off to him. It was a great fight, and uh, you know I'm, I'm happy for both guys. And, and to your point, guys, Cerrone mentioned something to the to the fact after the fight. He said if, if that was the younger Cerrone, he would have lost. He would have quit out there. And, and it was just a, a, it really was a, a different mentality for Cerrone. Yeah, no, but, but you know. Who knows? It could be like the George Foreman thing, man. Wait, the guy just gets better as he gets older. Who knows? You know, normally the lightweight guys don't do that, the lighter weight guys, but we'll see what happens, you know. But, uh, hey, before I go to, I, I just want to say one thing because I promised I'd give a couple of shout outs. The people in Ottawa were fucking fantastic, man. What just nice people. But I had one guy in particular, this guy, Norman. I just want to say thank you for everything, buddy. He worked at the hotel, but what a. He was a big fan of the podcast. Of the oh, fight. Norman. He went to the fight. Love you, and Norman. He, uh, well, I, I can't say enough about what this guy did. Man. He's always giving That's awesome. orders in the room and making sure everything was good. I can't thank you enough. And, and that's and that's everybody in Ottawa, man. It was a fantastic place. It was a great experience. And, uh, the people were unbelievable. Break a tone of man. I spoke to him. What a nice dude. I, mean, I don't know what the, what's in the water up in Canada, but they huh. are just nice good people, people. man. Yeah. So you um, you cross the border and people are talking to you about the Anakin Florian podcast. We just got to get the Americans going. We got the Canadians on board, you know. No, there was a lot. There was a lot of a lot of fans of the podcast, and there really was. So doing so, something uh, right. A couple other things uh, before we let you go. I, I, I kind of like when you come back from these shows, your voice is a little bit deeper. You sound great today. Uh, the father thing when it comes to some of these fighters, it really can go both ways, right? Like knowing Ken for the way I knew him as a fighter, like don't even think about procreation while I'm trying to be the greatest fighter in the world. Get your kids the fuck out of here, right? But, you know, like Cub Swanson, I think, is 0-4 since he became a father, okay? And... It, there's no doubt it's a huge source of motivation, but and I'm not saying it's softened Cup, but you know I don't think it helped Carlos Condit. I'm not going to get into details, right? But it's not always the biggest 
benefit to a fighter. But Cerrone seems to have channeled it in in a really positive way, and I think the results certainly speak to that. You know. No, yeah. Listen, it's an individual thing, and I'm trying to come up with something, but uh, it, I, I don't know. But his, it, the way he defines his reality with his son is he's, he's living up to man. That, that's it. That's how he sees it, and I believe he's. It's giving him an edge at this point. I really do. Yeah. I really All right. Do. Let's but, get uh, to uh, let's get to your boy Marab Dewalish Willie. You know, I don't think a lot of guys in the top fifteen are going to take this fight if it's offered them. I'll be real candid with you. What an absolute yeah. monster, right? And I know you've talked <laughs> to me off the air about his legend, just in terms of the work ethic and the toughness and everything that that makes this Georgian just a total beast. But you guys are doing something right with this guy, and I think he's a real problem at 135 pounds. Just a suffocating style. Uh, as I said last week, he's like the last guy in that division that I'd want to fight. Yeah, and I'll tell you the other thing. Somebody just sent me some this morning. I think he just set the record for most takedowns as a bantamweight. I don't know. Wow. I didn't read the article, but that, that was uh, that was the headline. He's got like 26 or 36 takedowns, I guess, uh, something like that, which is, I guess, you know, which is a lot. But power to him, man. He, he is a machine. I like the way, like when you said it a couple of weeks ago, did you know he called the UFC? <laughs> This kid's personality is contagious. I mean, yeah. if I tell you, like, he just... Uh, Al, look, read what Al wrote about him. Read what he wrote about Al. I, look, I'm telling you, man, it's... If people... If there's some haters out there that think because we lose, like, it means something. I'm telling you, it means absolutely shit, man. These are guys that are... Yeah. It's a living, you know, ride-and-die team, and... It, it really makes me happy to watch the way they interact. And now Jermaine Sterling did a great job getting everybody ready to it. It's just a, it's a good vibe in the gym. And it's not, yeah. you know, and Al is one of those guys that, trust me, everybody, he might be everybody's favorite fighter. You know what I mean? So everybody's behind him. Everybody supports him. Uh, they understand that, you know, look, everybody was, you know, everybody's doing good. You know, it's, some things you got to get a couple of bumps in the road here and there. So hopefully this is just a little uh, speed bump and we'll go over it. But uh, he's well loved by everybody. Those guys do it. They have a great camaraderie, great chemistry. And yeah, Marab is, I'd love you to meet the guy because he's, he's just, he's so sincere and he's so happy to be in America. And yeah, just he's just grateful, man. I, I can't, you know, when you look at, some of these guys that have just grown up and they're entitled, this guy is such a breath of fresh air to me. I, he cheers right. me up every time I eat walks in the room, this kid. Yeah. So I'm really, really happy for him. And I was worried about that, man. I was worried about that. Right? His tone you know, was undefeated. Right. And he's a, you know, he's a thinking man's fighter. He's in great shape. Uh, and Marab did a great job of, you know, just shutting that, that, that down, man. So, you know, can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, and as biggest. a coach, man, Kenny, this is what really sucks. You know, you got two guys fighting, and you know you want to be obviously you're happy for Marab, and then you you know you you're feeling for Ralph. So this, it's just that that dynamic is is yeah. brutal. But like again, these guys make it easy. Like you know, Al was like telling uh, you know we had to go get out, check out the hospital. Marab wanted to come, and I was like, dude, you got to go. You just had a great win, man. Just. Wow. Wow. Hard to go nuts, you wow. know I mean? It's just, it's, it's good to see, man. That's awesome. Everybody, man. everybody's happy for each other. Win or lose, 
we knew we had two guys that were coming to fucking fight. That's all that matters to me. Yeah. It's amazing. Two maniacs like you and Matt Sarah could have a team <laughs> that is just so just genuine and well-intentioned and good-hearted. You fucking clowns at the top of the food chain. I don't know about, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, no. Right. But it's, it's, you're, you're, you're kind of right. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> no, it's just, no, it is no. kind of an interesting dynamic. I mean, Sarah is the consummate fly off the handle. And these guys are just so great. And you, like I've met Marab twice. I mean, he's just an absolute gem. I mean, everything you're saying is spot on. Uh, all right, last thing before we let you go. So I don't know if Iaquinta is like too tough for his own good. I mean, I'm sure Kenny has things technically that we haven't gotten to because we just started the show a few minutes before you came on. But if you had to fight this fight again, I'd imagine there's there's something you you would do differently or or not. You see, you see, you put me in a weird position. You want me to give you something? If I don't give you something, then you, know, <laughs> you give me like, nothing before get the fight. Yeah, you're gonna start cursing me out again. Like this. <laughs> I'm talking about how nice. You know, uh, Brad Katona is. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he had his chances in that fight. Uh, I'd have to really. I got. I didn't even. I didn't even rewatch the fight. But yeah. you know, I look. I like uh, the, the way Cerrone loses. Obviously, is like you know the, the Masvidal's and the other who's the other Dosanjes. They just go right at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think Al did that, but he was able to this time come back with something just enough to keep him off from coming back at him again. So we'll see what happens, but he's in a good spot, that kid, Cerrone, yeah. for where he's at. So uh, yeah. I'll have to watch the tapes. I'll give you something. So don't, right. don't curse me we'll out. Talk next say, week. You know, we'll talk We'll rehash it next how week. How nice the weather and... was in Long Island when we get off the phone. There you, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and and, and I will Kenny, say... That's unbelievable. I was teaching a guy... I didn't listen to the podcast, and he starts telling me. I I, I was laughing for about a half hour. <laughs> That's he's telling funny. me. I'm asking him what the game plan is. He's telling me how nice Jack Hermanson is. Huh, yeah, <laughs> you're the best. They're the only yeah, guy yeah. that could be nicer than Marab Devalishelli is John Anik. I'm not sure they're going yeah. neck and neck now. It's all a barrage, though. I'm not that nice, you know. It's uh, And if you are wondering what Longo's talking about, if you missed last week, he got off the air, and I was complaining to Kenny that, you know, he's got two guys fighting on the main card, and dude <laughs> gives us nothing. Um, but... Uh, all right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let you get out of here on this. So the only thing you lose, like I think Iaquinta is still right in the mix for the company. Like I just think he's a top 15 star in the company potentially right now. I think his ceiling is championship. I think there are a lot of good things on the back end of this for Ally Iaquinta. The only thing you lose is a hundred dollars, of course, because he wasn't able to get the win over the finish. You got another opportunity this weekend, UFC 237. <laughs> Jessica Andrade, slight betting favorite. Against Thug Rose Nama Yunus, who do you like? Oh wow! I have no idea. I can't. I can't. Think. <laughs> I can't right. think right now. Come on, I'm, I'm in. A, right, I had text, a mental. Just text me a prediction roller, later in the week. You, tell, of, you know where I'm at right now. I'm at Great Adventure. I'm on the roller coaster. I'm about to throw <laughs> up. I can't make decisions. All right, we'll we'll let you go. I mean, it's our 200th episode. The least you could do is make a main event prediction for the listeners. <laughs> I I happen to like uh, you know I like Rose I've obviously I like a trainer I'm gonna go with Rose. All right. Boom! Have a great week, man. We will uh, we will talk to you next Monday. Rest Thanks. up, Ray. All right, hey, guys. Thanks for everything, man. I'll talk to you.
All right, there he is, the great Ray Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Thanks to Norman up there in Ottawa. Yeah, the Canadians are good people, man. It's not. There's nothing like calling fights up there. We talked about it, I think, over the last few weeks here. Per capita, per individual, I think they have, have the best crowds in MMA. But uh, I'm going to uh, Brazil this weekend for the 24th time, and uh, it is a very exciting fight atmosphere, as the flow can attest. So... I don't know if I'm grasping at straws, Kenny, when I say Al might be too tough for his own good. I just think to Ray's first point that he made, they just thought they were going to be able to get Donald out of there, right? They felt like they were going to be able to test his midsection and test his chin and eventually get him out of there. And when he didn't fold and then started to really take advantage of the leg kicks and his length, uh, you know, he was able to outlast Al over 25 minutes. I think they felt real good about being a decision winner if it did go the distance. And uh, I think they're pretty surprised to to see just how good Cerrone was, you know, over 25. Absolutely. And he's making, he's making those, uh, adaptations during the fight. Um, or he's just, he's adding some things into his arsenal, uh, when he's not fighting, he's working on his ability to move backwards and be effective. He's working on his to not let guys on the attack his body. And I think that's been right. one of his big-time vulnerabilities, the boxer who can attack the body and then take out the head upstairs. Uh, so for him, I thought he did a good job of adjusting with that kick down the middle. The knee was always a threat. And I think once he landed that uh, knee pretty early on, for Al, he had to respect it. Th- that is a shot that Cerrone will always throw and always be dangerous with. Cerrone doesn't uh, have the most amount of power than anyone at 155 pounds or 170 pounds for that matter. He's a volume-type striker. He beats you down. Uh, he cuts you down, and then he takes you out with combinations. Um, and But his knee is one of those things that could end a fight in, in a hurry. And for Iaquinta, he couldn't get on the inside. If you can't get on the inside, you're not going to be able to go to the body. So I think that really is what was frustrating for Iaquinta and, and Ray Longo for that matter. All right, so Ally Quinto was number four in the world. Donald Cerrone was number eight, Flo. So this is going to put Cerrone most likely in the top five. You got Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson. Those were the two most popular names that I heard after the fight on Saturday night as to who would be next for Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Of course, Khabib and Poirier probably going to collide in September. Uh, But this puts Cerrone potentially one win away from a title fight. I mean, is it your expectation or your thought here as we sit here on Monday morning that probably Ferguson or... Conor McGregor is the most logical next opponent for uh, for Cowboy? I would think so. Um, listen, what Donald Cerrone has going for him is that he is a big household name, despite yeah. not being a belt holder. Um, people love seeing Donald Cerrone fight as they should. He stays extremely active. He's a guy you can rely on to show up on fight night and at least give it his all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's not fighting for a title, uh, right? Right. In, in the next fight or two, potentially. But he should absolutely get a huge fight. I think a fight against a Tony Ferguson would be fire. Uh, oh. and, and so would a fight against Conor McGregor. See, and if I'm Cerrone, though, and my aspiration is championship, uh, you know, I don't know if some strategy all of a sudden comes into play, right? Um, mm. You know, I, I don't know if they care about risk management in terms of which is the more dangerous fight for them, Ferguson versus Conor McGregor. Justin Gaethje is right there at number five in the world, and I would think maybe in a main event that fight might have some appeal to Gaethje, who is going to be very selective, I can tell you right now. I think for Ally Quinta, you got to give Paul Felder that fight back right now because you're coming off a loss. Felder is coming off a win. Felder's number 10. Iaquinta is number four, but probably going down. You know, I didn't see any of the post-show, but I think, I think Felder has earned that opportunity, and I think 
if you're Al right now, I think that makes sense as far as a rebound fight for him is concerned. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I agree. Listen, I think Felder uh, Iaquinta would be an interesting fight. I think that's a, a, another fight that for Iaquinta, in a lot of ways, he has the ability to kind of make those adjustments that perhaps he should have made against Cerrone. Felder is a very similar striker to a Donald's. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Long range weapons. Um, he, he's throwing the well, but this is another very large 155 pounder that Iaquinta would have to um, make some adjustments to. All right, we got to rifle through some of the rest of this main card. We're not going to get a chance to talk about the big ticket, Walt Harris, but I'm happy for a good man right there getting the performance bonus and uh, spoiling the UFC debut of uh, Sergey Spivak. Have to look up the pronunciation to get that right for you folks out there. Marab, obviously, we touched on. Huge win for him. Co-main event, Derek Brunson against Elias Theodore. I don't know if you saw this fight, Ken Flo. You know, I just feel like Derek Brunson is an outstanding athlete, and this was the right game plan against Elias Theodoro. I thought it was not an entertaining fight. You know, this was a night that gave us nine decisions in 13 fights, which I don't think is ideal just in terms of how many minutes you're asking of the MMA fan when that's the case. Um, But I think this is a fight, despite what Vegas said, you know, you picked Derek Brunson as a slight underdog. Despite what Vegas said, like, this is a fight on paper that he is supposed to dominate and win, in my opinion. And, you know, largely he was dominant, I thought. Uh, absolutely. I did not see the fight. But, yeah, I thought that Derek Brunson matched up very well uh, against Elias Theodoro. Um, Elias is the kind of guy who likes to get to the clinch. He doesn't throw a whole lot of uh, power strikes. Um, a lot of his strikes are basically to try to get to the clinch and work some takedowns and work some knees and elbows from the clinch position. And I think Derek Brunson just had the better game o- overall. So it wasn't really a, a style that I thought would be effective against someone like Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson ended up getting it done. And when you fight a guy like uh, an Elias Theodoro, yeah, it's probably not going to be a great fight. That's just not a knock on. Uh, uh, it's not a sure. knock on Theodoro. That's just his style. It's not the prettiest uh, type of fight. Um, he's going to make it a grind. He's going to make it a frustrating fight for anyone that he faces. So um, well done there by Derek Brunson. Uh, Theodoro is is as unorthodox as any fighter yeah. you will find in the UFC. Yep. Yep, makes it very hard for a striker to get into a rhythm. No, you put it really well. And he doesn't feel an obligation to entertain either, right? He's trying to win. And as we said last week, in 11 UFC yeah. starts, he's won eight of them, right? So largely it has worked for him. It did not against Derek Brunson. And uh, big win for Brunson as he tries to sort of get back on the horse, so to speak. And lastly, Shane Burgos with a win over Cub Swanson. I thought it was a dominant effort out of Burgos. Big sort of signature for lack of a better word win on the resume of Shane Burgos I guess I bring it up though in the context of the judges split decision for Burgos 29-28 30-27 and then the wayward judge had 27 to 30 so 30-27 for Swanson now you know I I say I think the fight was closer than a 30 to 27 either way I guess I mean I scored all three rounds for Shane Burgos but when I see 30-27s on both sides right when three people in the world are paid to judge this fight three scorecards matter and two judges could see the fight so differently you know Burgos is sitting there and it's like I guess you know, like, I hate to take the judges out of it. Like, like don't leave it out of the judges' hands. A lot easier said than done, you know, for a pro fighter. But it's like, you're Shane Burgos. You feel like you've essentially dominated Cub Swanson, and, and one of the three scorecards that matter has it 30-27 for Cub. It's like, fucking A, man. Yeah, listen, I, I think a 30-27, like you said, either way is ridiculous. I don't think it's out of the question that Cub Swanson won that fight, though. Okay. I, I actually, I listen, I, I thought he won the second round. 
Um, that would I thought the round I gave him, yeah. Yeah, I definitely thought he won the second round, and I thought he won the majority of the third round. I thought the difference, here's the thing, the difference in that fight for me was Burgos never really looked phased by anything that Cup Swanson threw. He was the bigger man. Right. He looked way more comfortable in there where you could see um, a kind of stress on the face of Cup and a frustration on the face of Cup Swanson in his body as well. And I think that might have been the difference in some ways to me. But as far as the, the strikes that were landed, I thought Cub was doing a better job of being effective with his strikes. I, Burgos is a bigger guy, and I think that when he was throwing a good shot, it was backing up yeah. Cub a little bit more. And I think that was the difference. I'm not saying Shane Burgos didn't win that fight, but it's not out of the question. If, you, if, if that decision went the way of Cub Swanson, I would not have had a problem with it. Um, I thought it was a close fight. Um and it really could have gone either way. But, yeah, to say 30-27 for Cub or 30-27 for Burgos uh, is pretty ridiculous because both of those guys, I thought Burgos's first round was as clear as day. I thought the second round was pretty clear for Cub. Right. No, and that makes me feel better about it, candidly, for somebody who saw it 30-27. And you are right yeah. that Cub got some things done in the fight. And I just think, yeah, in some respects, maybe because Burgos was totally unfazed, that maybe so were the judges in terms of what type of damage Cub could have been doing. But yeah, never mm -hmm. want the 30-27 to 27 on two different sides of it in a perfect world. Um, all right, so... Anything else on Ottawa before we move forward? The other performance bonus to Macy Chasson. Nice rally there to TKO Sarah Morris. Eamon Zahabi, disappointed for him, Ken Flo. Obviously, he'd been out for a long time, and I didn't see that fight against Vince Morales, yeah. but I know Eamon put a lot into this fight and this return fight, and uh, needless to say, it did not go his way. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Eamon is one of those guys. He's such a good guy, and he's such a hard worker. I just feel like mentally he's not able to put it together on fight night. I, we're not seeing what Zahabi can really do out there, I think. And I think that the nerves, perhaps the pressure um, uh, is getting to him a little bit. And and it's unfortunate. Aben is one of the great guys in this sport, man, a true gentleman and uh, works so hard. Uh, it was unfortunate to see that result. All right. Let us get to the pronunciation of the week as we now spin things forward to UFC 237. Nama Yunus versus Andraj. TJ, how you feeling today, bro? Uh, you know, I feel the pressure. I feel like my back's against the wall. And if I don't get this, uh, you know, going and turned around real quick, it's, it's to the regional circuit, if you will. You are one in five on the year. As far as the pronunciation of the week goes, if you don't go 500 in 2019 and I, you will, by the way, anyone who has followed this segment knows that, uh, you're going to turn this thing around. Kenny and I are going to get a dunking booth outside the studio. We're going to invite the LA based listeners and, and, we're going to put you in the dunking booth if you don't get to 500 by the end of the year, okay? All right. Sounds good. Let's, let's do it. Right. I'm, I'm going to get this week. I feel good. I've got, I got some strategy here. Let's see if it works. All right. This man's going to fight Tiago Alves on the pay-per-view main card Saturday night. He is a 26-year-old from Argentina, 8-1, 1-0 in the UFC. TJ DeSantis, of whom am I speaking? You messed it up for me. I was going to ask uh, country of origin like they do in the spelling bee. And then I was oh, gonna, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you to use it in a sentence. Can you do that for me? Oh, you would have got me there, but yes, <laughs> Argentina right. is the uh, the word origin. All right, uh, is it Loriano Staropoli? It is not. Let's hear him say it. Loriano Staropoli. Loriano Staropoli. Loriano Staropoli. Clean your ears. That's exactly what I said. So Kenny, can I hear close. you say it? 
Lariano Staropoli. So that's that's I mean that's like ninety six percent. It's basically it, right? Maybe a slight different syllable emphasis <laughs> in the last name, but this I I did this today because this has killed me doing these pre fight voiceovers. This name, trying to get this combo feature right. Um, Lauriano Staropoli, and it's like he doesn't even emphasize any of the syllables in the last name, so you almost have to write the first syllable phonetically in caps, like Staropoli, Lauriano Staropoli. I mean, I'm I'm just fair warning. This is going to give me fits this weekend. Um, but TJ falls to one and six uh, for the record. On the I'd like to appeal. Argentinian Spanish is Argentinian Spanish is tricky too, man. You know, their, their accent is kind of like an Italian accent on uh, Italian take on Spanish almost. You know, it's it's tricky. See, Kenny's the expert here. What's funny, like you'll shout out my pronunciations on social media and I see that. I'm like, this is the dude who actually was paid to work in languages, who knows six languages, who actually has a brain. You know, I'm I don't know. I mean, you're going to do great as always, dude. Lauriano Starpoli. All right. Yeah, one and go. six Boom. for TJ DeSantis on the pronunciation of the week. Uh, a lot of picks, eight picks today on UFC 237. Buckle up. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, Ken Flo wins another week. It was 57 to 42. You and Jared Rivera both had Ally Quint in the main event, but the flow had Derek Brunson as a slight dog against Elias Theodoro. That was good enough to take the week two to one, 58-44 for Team Anik. Now, we are going to make some slight changes to the main event challenge beginning next week in episode 201. Among them, method of victory and round selections for all co-main events going forward. Some other changes as well, uh, but with us today, longtime listener, a good man here, repping the 209 Gabriel Hernandez is with us. G Money, it is great to finally have you on the line, sir. How are you, Gabe? I'm awesome. How are you, John? Uh, I'm doing well, man. Just, say hello to Kenny Ford. Uh, huge honor to be on it. The 200th episode. I'm sorry I missed last week. I just woke up real late and had a long night, but I'm ready to fire things up. Uh, uh, man, I mean, we well, we're happy Amazing. to have you. Um, so you like Gabriel, Gabe? I mean, what are your friends calling you? I mean, people just usually call me Gabe, Gabriel. I mean, the okay. king is something I, I came out of, like, just came out of college. Just I just thought it was a cool name. I was, always started calling myself the king. So I got it tattooed on my arm, and now I, there's no going back. Oh, you're the <laughs> king. I mean, we're going to call you the king. Yep, G the king. All right. All right. First fight we're going to pick, the featured prelim on ESPN, Gabe. Light heavyweight division. Ryan Spann, minus 145. Antonio Rogerio Nogueira, plus 125. King, who do you got? Ah, it's hard for me to go against the, the hometown favorite. I mean, I, I love, I'm a big fan of the Nogueira brothers. I've watched them fight for years, and there, there's no going against Nogueira in his backyard. I mean, he's still shown that he's had it in his last few fights. I mean, his knockout over Pat Cummins. I mean, his last couple fights, he's still shown that he's got it. And if you've seen him lose a couple of times, he still finds a way to bounce back. So I'm probably going to go by, uh, go with, excuse me, Noguera by unanimous decision in his home crowd, in his home state. 
All right, Gabe likes Rogerio Nogueira. Span, as many of you know, Fortis MMA trains under the great safe. Saud won his UFC debut in September. Beat a Brazilian in Brazil, Luiz Henrique in Sao Paulo. Fifth straight win for Ryan Span. That came after he had lost three of four. He's 27, and now he's facing the soon-to-be 43-year-old Little Nog. Fun fact for you, Ken Flo. The Nogueira twins were born exactly one week after Kenny Florian in 1976. How about that? That's exactly. it. I'm coming back. I'm coming <laughs> I, back. Hey, I'll find a lightweight right now. Who'd you be? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Dude, uh, listen. Who do you I, like? Who do you like? It's tough to go against the Noguera brothers, right? I, these are guys that uh, I, I know I've looked up to for a very long time. But um, I think he's young. He, he's, he's being very well. Um, it's not like he's useless on the ground either. He's got a lot of guillotine submissions. He's dangerous there. Um, big, big for 205. I, I'm going to go with Span here. I think he gets it done, unfortunately, uh, against Noguera. All right, next up for us, first fight of the pay-per-view main card at lightweight Diego Fajeda, minus 150. Francisco Trinaldo is plus 130. Gabe, who do you like? Hmm, that's a tough one. I love... Both guys. That's one. That's like one of the hardest things when you get a fight when you like both guys. I like. I, I'm gonna have to go with Trinaldo. I mean, I well, one fight that comes to mind. I think it was a fight with who was it? I think it was Yancey Medeiros or something where he was hurting him the entire fight. And I just, I just enjoy like the, the his power. He he's been fighting for a very long time. He has a lot of huge wins in the UFC. He has that knockout power. He can hit you at any moment and knock you senseless. And I think he's gonna also win in, in his home state. I'm going with Trinaldo, second round knockout. All right, another underdog pick, Francisco Trinaldo for Gabe. Diego Fajeda, Kenny, another Fortis MMA product. He's won four in a row since a stoppage loss to the interim champion, Dustin Poirier. That was back in 2015. Trinaldo, probably the more known quantity. He's sort of been in and around that top 15 over the last several years. Um, undefeated in his 40s, 1-0 after a stoppage of Evan Dunham last fall. 19th UFC appearance for Masaran Duba, Ken Flo. Do you like him or are you going Diego Fajeda? You know, this is a tough fight. Um, Well-matched uh, fight here. I, I think Diego Fajeda is going to be able to take it to the ground. And if he does that, I think Trinaldo, um, I, I know he has some experience on the ground, but I think Fajeda is just a different level on the ground. If it stays on the feet, I see Trinaldo winning by decision or possibly by knockout. Uh, but I think Fajeda will find a way to kind of mix things together and either get the win by mission. Uh, or by decision. I'm going to go Fajeda here. I absolutely love the dissension, the disagreement early on. Now we get to the fight that just jumps off the cod. The King of Rio, Jose Aldo, minus 140, taking on the former rugby league standout, Alexander Volkanovsky, who is plus 120. This is a featherweight title eliminator. A lot of people fancy Volkanovsky a future champion. He's 19-1, 6-0 in the UFC. Stopped Chad Mendez last December at UFC 232. But Gabe, all of a sudden, the king of Rio, Jose Aldo, has got some momentum. Back-to-back -back stoppage wins for him. Tough fight to call. Aldo or Volkanovski for you? <sighs> I'm going to have to go with Aldo. And the reason is because I can't bet against Aldo. He's the best featherweight fighter in the world. Best featherweight champion that's not named Max Holloway. Um, what he was able to do against Jeremy Stevens was lethal. A lot of people didn't see him winning those fights. A lot of his um, fights were questioned after the Connor loss, and it's been real nice to see Aldo come forward and still show that he still has it. And if he's not losing any fights, 
he hasn't lost any fights that aren't non-title fights. So that's that's the way I'm going to keep it. I think, excuse me, I think Volganovski is very tough. He's future champion material. But as you said, John, I don't think that time is right now. I think Jose Aldo wins in his home uh, home state yet again. Any fight that you guys remember that he's fought in Brazil, he's looked fantastic. I mean, the second Chad Mendes fight, I mean, the first time he fought Chad Mendes, it was awesome. is just just as awesome as well. So I'm p- picking Jose Aldo by a unanimous decision, safe to say. All right, Jose Aldo, minus 140 is the pick for Gabe. Kenny, I just love this Aldo schedule that he's keeping, right? Third fight in the last nine and a half, ten months. Obviously, both of the last ones were quite good. The stoppage of Hinato Moicano in February was insane, right? Moicano was the guy. A lot of people thought he could have gotten a title fight, was hoping to punch that ticket by beating Aldo. Instead, Aldo comes up large, I believe, as a betting underdog. Uh, He's the favorite here against Volkanovski, who is just an animal. Tough matchup in my mind for Aldo. How do you see it going against Alexander Volkanovski? This is an extremely tough matchup for Jose Aldo, but I think Gabriel got it right here. I I like Jose Aldo in this fight. I think he's going to be able to stop those takedowns. And I think for Volkanovski, um, if he's not able to not able to put you on your back, he can get a little frustrated out there. Um, and against someone like Jose Aldo, I think Aldo's going to have the speed advantage out there. Um, Volkanovski can can definitely get it done. He showed his toughness against Chad Mendes. There's no doubt about it. He's got a chin from hell. But I, I think Jose Aldo wins this fight. All right, co-main event. Do not look now, but the killer gorilla Jared Cannonier gets the red corner because he's number 10 in the world in the middleweight division. Betting favorite here, minus 155 against the all-timer Anderson Silva, who comes back at plus 135. Gabe, Jared Cannonier or Anderson Silva for you? To be honest with you guys, out of all the fights on this card, I've done my homework on absolutely two. Main event and co-main, this is my favorite one. I was thinking about this one the entire night, but... I'm all about underdogs, so I'm going to go with Jared Cannonier because if you look at the body of work, his last fight, he fought David Branch. He blitzed him in the first round. He stopped him in the first round. And you go back to looking at what David Branch has been able to accomplish. He stopped Tiago Santos, title challenger to one John Jones. And I know MMA math isn't like a real thing. It's a myth in this, in this fight world. It allows you to look at the body of work that he's been able to put together, and he's training in at the lab with the one Benton Henderson, former UFC lightweight champion. He has some of the best bodies with the highest IQs to help him. So I'm going to have to go with the killer gorilla upsetting Anderson Silva in his home in his hometown by the unanimous decision. Hey, Gabe, Cannoneer's the favorite. Do you still want him? Yes. Okay. Jared Cannoneer, minus 155. Ken Flo Anderson Silva, 44 years old now, but certainly some good things in that fight of the night against Israel Adesanya earlier this year. And let's not forget that ended a two-year layoff. So in a better schedule, fight schedule here, maybe we'll see an even better performance out of Anderson Silva. Cannoneer, 35 in his own right, but a young 35 in terms of the MMA miles. Who do you like in the co-main, Flo? Uh, This is a tough one because I think he's going against a guy in Jared Cannoneer that can really put his his lights out. Uh, I I think Cannoneer definitely has a lot more power and can be a little bit more reckless uh, than certainly Israel Adesanya. Um, Adesanya, obviously a a far superior striker technique-wise, but Cannoneer uh, is... 
a guy who can really put you out with a knee, with an elbow, with, with, with a punch from the outside. And Anderson Silva is just getting hit a little bit too much uh, for my liking. Um, and if he's not getting hit, he's just kind of backing away and not really doing anything. And I, I don't know. This is this is a tough fight for me. I, Anderson has lost a lot of the speed and reaction time that he really enjoyed early on in his career. Uh, and defensively, he has me really worried uh, in, in this fight. Hopefully, you know, he, he's going to be a little bit more loose, a little bit more, uh, a little bit smarter out there. But I, I think Ken. Yeah, Ken Flo likes Jared Cannonier. He stopped David Branch at UFC 230 last November. That was good for his fourth UFC win. Third bonus, we talk a lot about Jack Hermanson and how he has expedited the title run. Good opportunity for Jared Cannonier already coming in, as I mentioned, number 10 in the world. That surprised me. Jared Cannonier already in the top 10 and getting a shot against the future Hall of Famer Anderson Silva this weekend. That is your co-main event, UFC 237 on pay-per-view, which means we are now at the main event for the UFC strawweight title. As of now, at the Westgate in Las Vegas, Jessica Andrade slightly favored, minus 125. The reigning defending undisputed champion, Thug Rose Namajunas, plus 105. Gabe, we will need the round and the method of victory. Who leaves Rio de Janeiro, the strawweight queen? Ooh, anxiety's pumping right now. Um, it's a hard one, John. Um, I'll have to go with the champ, Rose Namajunas, upsetting Jessica Andrade. Because I, I feel like Rose is just unfazed by even the biggest, most threatening things that a lot of people would normally be threatened by. I just don't feel that there's anything at this stage of her career that can phase her. Being in, the, being in enemy territory won't phase her at all. She's experienced the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows, both, both in her professional and personal life. And I just don't think that the, the ring rust or anything that she's gone through will phase her, and I think she'll come back and perform just as good as ever. I'm picking Rose to beat uh, Jessica by unanimous decision. Rose Nama Yunus by unanimous decision. And Gabe, quickly before I let you go, I'm going to get your three quick picks. Clay Guida minus 550 versus BJ Penn plus 400. Who do you like there? Clay Guida by unanimous decision. Okay, and then uh, Irene Aldana, the favorite, minus 250. Betch Cohea, plus 200. Which way are you going? Ooh, uh, I'm going to go with Irene Aldana by second-round submission. Oh, I love how ready to go you are. And finally, uh, this is a main card belt, by the way. Lauriano Staropoli, minus 115. Tiago Alves, the underdog, at minus 105. Which way are you going? Long-time fan of Tiago, and also, like I said earlier, I love underdogs. I'm going to go with Tiago Alves by first-round knockout. Especially in our scoring system, those minus 105, plus 105 underdogs actually represent the greatest value the way we do our main event challenge. All right, Gabriel Hernandez, the king, repping the 209. Great job, buddy. Thanks for hopping on. Can I I, uh, spit a quick fact for the fans? Of course. All right, so I don't know if you remember. Most likely you do, but last year I just had asked a request if I could, uh, if if I could have a follow on Twitter from you, because I remember that your birthday was July third, mine is July second. So I was like, right. "Ooh, that's something cool we both have in common." So I remember shouting out and asking if I could have a follow back. And ever since then, I've just been on top of the world. I've been like real fascinated and intrigued by your work and all your all the calls on paper review that you've been doing. You've been fantastic. The way you guys break it down, you really offer something unique that I never heard in all my time of watching since 2010s. Here's something special, man. 
Wow, man. That thank you. That means a lot. So so you asked for the follow, I gave you the follow, right? Yep, definitely. For, God for, damn uh, for my birthday present, because mine was July second and yours was July third. I think I liked your content too though, my man. So I, I appreciate the shout out and, and I think it's fitting to have you on episode episode two hundred, buddy. I hope this I hope this will be fun for you watching these fights this weekend too, knowing that you're going head to head with the great Kenneth Allen Floyd. <laughs> oh, Kenny oh, went against me like two times in a row. We finally <laughs> beat on Tandemir though. That's good though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. Have um, a good week. Thanks for taking care, dude. In the future, though, as a normal, as a regular, like as, as a guest, so I can have more time to talk to you guys. You guys are awesome. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it, buddy. Thank you. All right, there is Gabe Hernandez repping the 209. We're going to go back and get Ken Flo's main event prediction here. So I think Jessica Andrade, Kenny, still has the most wins. I'll know this by Saturday. I don't know it here on Monday. I think she still has more wins than any woman in UFC history with 10. She's won three straight since her first UFC championship opportunity against Joanna Jacek, who still to this day is the only woman at 115 pounds to beat the powerhouse that is Jessica Andrade. She's favored to beat Rose Namajunas here. I think some of that line is reflective of Rose Namajunas' layoff. Rose knew she was going to have to beat Ioana twice. She did so in five months. She's now taken 13 months off to hone and develop her game. I think what scares me about the Andrade side is just this Trevor Whitman corner and this, I just feel like Rose Namajunas is the consummate student of the game. And if anyone any mixed martial artist that I know were to maximize a 13-month layoff, it's probably Pat Barry and Trevor and Rose. and you know. So I, I'm a little bit surprised to see Nama Yunus as the underdog here. I am a longtime unabashed Andrade fan. I can't wait to see this fight play out. The masses want to know which way you think it's going. Well, I think I know why she's the underdog here. I, I think Andrade is a very tough stylistic matchup for her. She can repeatedly take down her opponent and hire. She pound. She also has knockout power, um, and she's really improved over the course of her career. She's only gotten better. So, for Andrade, this is a very tough matchup. I'm a huge fan of Rose Namajunas, uh, but this was the matchup that I knew was coming, and that made me nervous for Rose. However, I do think that Rose Namajunas, the big thing that's been holding her back in her career, has been her mind focused composed and believe in herself i believe that in the past now i believe we have a, a right. confident champion in rose namajunas i think we're gonna have to see her submission skills come out in this fight because andrage is gonna want to take uh, take this fight to the ground at some point i'm gonna go with a rose namajunas third round submission win Nama Yunus by third round submission and and i think you put it better than i did but that's sort of i think what i was getting at is that i feel like they, they really have made so many mental strides that yes. she's just a calculated killer in there, right? I mean, going five hard fives with Joanna and beating her on points after knocking her out. I mean, just crazy. But Andrade is, I mean, nothing would make me happier than to see Andrade realize a UFC title given the body of work, right? Given yep. what she has put on paper and what she has accomplished. She's been with her initial uh, coach, you know, so uh, Master Parana. So I would like to see uh, Andrade break through. And one of the most exciting things of this job for me, and it happened with Poirier and Adesanya recently, is seeing a guy break through uh, and win a title for the first time. Perhaps it'll happen for Andrade this weekend. All right, we need some quick picks here from Flo on the way out. Uh, Guida minus 550. Clay Guida fought Ken Flo in his 10th UFC fight. This is now his 27th. 
B.J. Penn, 10 appearances since 2010. Only one win in there against Matt Hughes. The Hall of Famer Penn has lost six in a row. This could be it for the legend. Kenny, you going Guida or B.J. Penn? Oh, boy. You know, this is a tough one, man. I, I think Clay Guida and his energy is going to be tough to deal with. Um, I think late in the fight, if, if B.J. is not able to get Clay out of there, I think Clay is probably going to win a decision. However, I'm going to go with BJ here. I, I think BJ finds a way to stop the takedown, keep this fight on the feet, and, and find a way to, to either get a submission or, or get a knockout. And as far as our scoring system goes, right, if you're not paying attention, BJ Penn beats Clay Guida. Ken Flo gets five points. If Guida wins, he gets one. Do the math. Makes I had a lot to of do sense. it. Dr. Sun, man, is just a smart guy, smarter than I'll ever be. All right, Irene Aldana, she's won two in a row. Uh, prohibitive favorite here against Betchko. Hey, you like Aldana? Uh, I'm going to go with Aldana, yep. All right, and then uh, Starop, Starop, Staropoli, Staropoli, Staropoli or Alves? Which, which way are you going there? Jesus Christ. Staropoli. Uh, I'm going to go with Staropoli. I'm going with the Argentine. I'm telling you, this game is giving me, uh, this name is giving me fits. Staropoli. <laughs> Uh, Riano Starpoli. I'll say it 150 times by the time I get to the arena, um, and we'll see how it goes. All right, that is it for the main event challenge. Went a little long today. Uh, thanks for indulging us. We are going to be back next week, episode 200 in the can. That means four years are down. I'm headed to Rio de Janeiro Wednesday, but I will be back in time for the Anakin Florian podcast on Monday. UFC 237, Nami Yunus versus Andrade. Prelims are on ESPN. Main card is on pay-per-view. We are back in less than a week to recap all of that and get you Ken Flo's predictions for Rafael Dos Anjos and Kevin Lee coming up May 18th in Rochester, New York on ESPN+. Plus. We love you all. Thank you all for listening. For The Flow, TJ DeSantis, Ray Longo, I'm John Anik. We will talk to you in less than a week. Until that time, enjoy the fights. Don't text and drive. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.